Coming up next on Abounding Grace. You might be treated by refuse. You know, you might be treated like junk from the people of the world. Your own spiritual children might even break your heart and have to be disciplined. But God's faithful servants, they're going to continue on. They're going to persevere. They're not going to quit. They're going to find strength. And, and I have to say this, in, in, in the people that God's put in your life, the people that are overseeing you, the people that are in ministry um, uh, alongside of you, the pastors, the leaders, all those people in your life, I really believe that they deserve our respect and our love and our commitment and our devotion. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Someone has noticed God wisely designed our human bodies so that we can neither pat our own backs nor kick ourselves too easily. We're talking about the sin of pride today on Abounding Grace as we get back to our series in 1 Corinthians. As we open up chapter 4 today with Pastor Ed Taylor, we notice something that can help us remain in a place of humility, and that is coming to realize everything we have has been graciously given to us by God. Verse 6, back in... um... 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, Now these things, brethren, I figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written. Well, we skipped verse 5, didn't we? Let's go back to verse 5. It says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts, and then each one's praise will, be, will come from God. And these things, brethren, I figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you glory as if you did not receive it? And he summarized it by saying, look, everyone's praise is going to come from the Lord. So don't judge anything before the time. Just commit it to the Lord. When Jesus comes back, even the things that seem dark to us, the things that are, we don't understand, the things that are still hovering in our lives, the why questions, all the things the Bible says right now we see in a glass darkly, but then we see face to face, things will be cleared up. We can just commit it to him. Things will be seen in the light of his unspeakable glory. And the key here, he says in verse 6, is that we learn how not to think beyond what is written. Every cult has started because somebody decided to think beyond what was written and people followed them, male or female, every cult. Because doesn't it frustrate you when you're talking to some cult member at your work or on your doorstep and you're taking them back to the word and go, oh, no, 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 there's more. Well, you can just say, but you're thinking beyond what's written. And then they'll go, no, it was written wrong. You know, there's always a reason. And the, the Bible is very simple. And we can learn so many mistakes happen in our lives when we just think beyond what is written. I've learned so much in my life of how to live by the scriptures. Taught me how to deal with things. Taught me how to deal with people. The Bible's shown me what love looks like. 
It's helped me to be a dad, a husband, the Bible. I don't want to think beyond what's written. I just want to receive from the Lord. And in this case, they were thinking beyond what was written in becoming puffed up and following different people. Well, I'm of this pastor, and I go to this pastor, and I'm of... And Paul says, don't do that. It's beyond what is written. And he includes Apollos because he was part of it all. They were all kind of looking up to him too. And he says, verse 7, who makes you differ from one another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Anything of value in our lives came from the Lord. What do you have that you didn't receive? And that flies in the face of this self-sufficiency of our culture, right? You just work hard and, and I, you know, Ed, you don't understand. I, I, I went to school for years. Really? Who paid for your tuition again? I did. How? Job. Who gave you that? Well, my mom. Who showed her? I don't know. The Lord. He started somewhere. Like, where'd the company come from? Who gave the person that started the company the, the wisdom? Who gave you the ability to take a test, to read a book, listen to something? Who opened the door? Some of you got crazy jobs that when you were kids, you never thought you'd be doing. How did that happen? The Lord. He opened the door. He, he made that way for you. What makes you really differ? We all, everything we have, we receive from the Lord. It's from him. So even when you're looking now for things, where do you look? Seek the Lord. Because it comes from him. Jesus said, or excuse me, James said that every good gift, every perfect gift comes from our Father above. And that key word in the Greek, every, it means every. So God gave you the wisdom to study. He gave you the ability to do the interview. He gave you the ability to understand the training. Now you're very good at it because God's given you the time to learn it. He's given you the skills. He's given you the hands. He's given you your brain. He's, everything about you and me is because of the Lord. We can't take credit for any of it. That's not to say you didn't work hard. I'm sure you did because the Lord enabled you to. It's not to say you didn't study hard. You did because the Lord enabled you to. That you didn't read all the books. That, yeah, you did because the Lord enabled you to. And he took care of you. And he's going to continue to take care of us. And so we don't want to go beyond what is written. And we don't want to be puffed up. He says at the end of verse 7, if you indeed did receive it, why do you glory like you haven't received it? You are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. Now Paul's getting a little testy with them to get their attention. He says, and indeed I could wish you did reign that you might also, we might also reign with you. I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last, verse 9, as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake. But you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. Even to the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we're poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled. We bless being persecuted, we endure it. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscoring of all things until now. And I don't write you, he says. And he gives us heavy, heavy word to them. You know, and he's just like, I wish I was a king like you. I wish I had things like you. I mean, here we are, the apostles, and you guys seem to be doing better than we are. Just to grab their attention. But he says, I don't write these things to shame you, verse 14. But as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. Now he's getting to the point. He's saying, we've just become fools for Jesus Christ. Things might not be hard for you, but it, they're hard for us. And we're okay with it. Every time some hard thing comes up, he says, we persevere. 
Every time some difficulty comes up, I do it for the sake of Christ. But I'm not writing these things to shame you. I'm writing them so you understand that I love you. And you have a lot of teachers. You guys appreciate a lot of teachers, he tells the church. But you know what? God used me to plant the church. That's what he's saying. You have 10,000 instructors, but I'm the one that begot you. It's like a personal, he's like, hey, I'm the one that God used in your life. I don't know why you turned on me, but I'm the one that God used in your life. And I could just say, you know, from my perspective, because there's a lot of pastoral things in this letter, there have been probably in the last 10 years, I probably used this verse maybe, I don't know, three or four times on a sad situation where somebody just turned. I don't know what happened to them. I don't know what, what it was that the relationship broke off or they became really upset with something. And, and I'm like, you know what? God used me in your life. I don't know what happened. And I don't, I don't need to lord it over you, or, but, but man, we've been, there are years of ministry. What's happened? Because there's this tendency just to, to break relationships within the body of Christ, and we don't want to do that. And you're going to have people in your life. You don't have to be a pastor or anything. You're going to have people in your life where you enjoyed sweet fellowship, like David said. Just sweet fellowship, and all of a sudden, things changed. And you might even say, hey, you know what? Something happened. The way to get back is, I urge you, imitate me. Paul's not saying become a, a disciple of Paul because Paul's included. I am of Paul. He says, don't be of me. But understand that I want my life to be such that you can follow me. That you can trust me. That, that God can use me still in your life to lead you in the thing. And of course, the person saying that has to be in such a place where they can say this. Like you, you have to be in a place where, hey, just understand, I'm, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to not, you, you, the person, John, Paul's not the one that went off the deep end. The church did. The believers here did. And for this reason, he says, I sent Timothy, verse 17, to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, some of you are puffed up as though I will not, I'm not coming to you. But I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills, and I will know, not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. And what do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love? and a spirit of gentleness. So he's, he means business. He goes, okay, I'm sending Timothy there. He's going to come minister to you. He's, he's going to serve you. And, and most likely Paul could be criticized for that. Why don't you come yourself? Why are you sending Timothy? Why don't, isn't, aren't we important enough for you to come? And then he, well, you know, if any, anybody's anticipating that, he goes, I'm going to come too. How do you want me to come? <laughs> do you want me to come gently and in love? We can enjoy sweet fellowship again. Or do you want me to come with a rod? as a shepherd just taking care of the unruly sheep. It's tough. You know, it's not going to get any easier as we study through the rest of the letter. Because handling difficult things in the church always is hard. It's always difficult. When people get their eyes off the Lord, they start hurting one another, they start, it's always hard. Sometimes the criticism will even come to those in leadership like, well, you know everything and you don't understand and and, and now the, the second part, we may not understand is true, but like, like our heart's desire, even if we do it wrong, is to bring peace in the body. And hopefully the Lord can teach us to do it right. But even if, we're, if I or one of the staff pastors or one of the lay leaders handle something wrong, don't give up right away. We might have made a mistake, but I'm pretty confident that our heart was right. I mean, we just spent all day today with the pastors. We had a little pastor's getaway today that we try to do regularly. And, and I'm sitting in that room with them. And I know those guys. And I know they love the Lord. And I know they love this church. There's no doubt about it. That doesn't mean that, that mistakes won't happen. But don't run away when like mistakes happen. 
Maybe the Lord can work it out. And of course, you're sitting here, so it's not like you've run away yet, but there might be people listening in or other churches like, man, I just, I just ran away. Maybe the Lord can work it out. Maybe he can't. Maybe the Lord's going to use it to, to bring about a Paul and Barnabas type of situation. But I could tell you just here, I could just speak for our church. The guys in our church, the gals in our church, all the leadership, it's not just the few guys that are on staff. It's like hundreds of people that are in leadership here. They have, you know, I think one of the phrases that, one of the phrases that came up today is that we have your best interests at heart. That really is sincere. It doesn't mean we always deliver, you know, perfectly or we always do the right thing in terms of just you know, making the right decision or praying, whatever. We, mistakes happen. But see, that's another kind of unrealistic expectation, isn't it? I can make mistakes, but you, pastor, can't. Now you can see it's unrealistic. It's not fair. Of course, we're going to grow together. Grace covers you as much as it covers me. As much as it covers your husband or your daughter. It just grace. The grace of God is like the glue that keeps things going, man. Keeps things together. A beautiful understanding that you and I, how do we differ? By the grace of God. And ultimately, we don't differ all that much. We're all these human beings in desperate need of a the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the strength of the Lord to get through just another day and another week. We don't really differ all that much. It's amazing because I just appreciate Paul in this area because Paul gave everything up. He gave up his status. He gave up his wealth. He gave up his position. He gave up his notoriety. He gave up his teaching benefits as a rabbi. Uh, You could say he gave up his retirement. He gave up all his worldly possessions to travel around the world preaching the gospel. To churches like in Corinth, that when the first thing goes by and they're caught up in sexual immorality, they turn on him. It's all your fault. Like, and you just, Paul just said, like, you guys are the ones in sin. If you could just get right, we'd all be in fellowship again. You're the one that's not loving your wife as Christ loved the church. You're the one that's not submitting to your husband. It's you. Get right. We'll be back in fellowship. And so that's where Paul is. And, and, and really, he, what he had, he just gave up. And all that he had, you know, before he gave it up, he had all these possessions, but you know what? He didn't have eternal life. And he was able and willing to give up everything for the sake of being right with God and following through with the calling that's on his life. To be right with him. To surrender. You know, back in verse 14, it says, I don't write these things to shame you. And if you ever end up being in a difficult scenario with a pastor here or a pastor anywhere, our heart my desire would be, especially here, I can only speak for here, is that we, we aren't interested in shaming you or coercing you or manipulating you. Our heart's desire, just to be completely on the record, is for you to be right with the Lord. That's it. Because when you're right with the Lord, things begin to fall into place. God begins to show up again. You begin to see him. It's not like he abandoned you. But you begin to see, you know what? And some of you have that testimony. You can think, you know what? I did get diverted a little bit, but when I got my eyes back, when things started, when I started to get things right with the Lord, things started to sort itself out. Solutions started to come. As they were raising up and elevating different teachers, causing division, Paul just tells them, you guys, I'm not trying to shame you, and even though you have 10,000 teachers, I mean, the equivalent for that for us today is that even though you have all these radio teachers you listen to and people you might see on TV and people you grew up as a kid and you know, your, whole, your whole bookcase is filled with CDs and tapes of your Bible teachers that really have blessed you over the years, even though you have all those teachers, he says, you don't have many fathers. 
And then he uses it on a personal level. In Christ Jesus, I've begotten you through the gospel. God used me in your life. And what he's saying, if you really want to get down to it, is, is you know what? God used me in, my, in your life, and that ought to amount to something. It should amount to something. In light of criticism, in light of expectations, in light, God has used that particular person. That ought to amount to something. That God chose in his sovereignty. It's not like you chose him. God took, hooked you up. God brought you into their... God, he's wanting to keep relationships together in his body. Not one some fractured, disconnected group of believers that don't connect. But God, he wants us to connect. And even though you might have 10,000 teachers, understand that God has used a select group of people, maybe even one person in your life. Like for me, I have no question whatsoever. There's no question My pastor is Jeff Johnson, no question. I have a lot of teachers that I appreciate, but God used Jeff Johnson in my life. And he's going to receive my loyalty. Not loyalty over God, but I'm going to be loyal to my pastor. I'm a thousand miles away from him. I talk to him maybe twice a year. I'm going to be loyal to him. And even if he was to fall off the bandwagon and completely go off the deep end, I'm going to be loyal to him to go minister to him and take him back to the Lord. I hope it never happens. But that's, that's what the Lord, that's what God's taught me in the ministry. That as he goes to bed at night and he's ministered to thousands and ten thousands of people through the 35 plus years that he's been in ministry, that if my name even comes up in his mind, that he can go to bed at night knowing, you know what, Pastor Ed, that guy Ed, he's going to be loyal to me. Because you know what, people, we need that. We need that in our lives. We need to know that there, there's this connection and we're going to be with one another. We're going to serve one, through the good times and through the bad. Through the ups and through the downs. And I want to pass that on to my kids. I want to teach them loyalty. I want to pass that on to you. I want to teach you loyalty so that there will be fidelity within the body. Not superseding man. Like, I, I don't expect you to be loyal if I go off the deep end doctrinally and go, oh, you know, Pastor Ed, it's, he's just teaching false doctrine. Go for it. You know, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about if I would ever tell you or, or lead you in a way that's contrary to the things of God. That's not what I'm talking about at all. You be loyal to God 100% every day, all day. But you got to understand, God uses people in our lives. And, and I want to be a model the best that I can to do right here what Paul said. I'm going to be loyal. I want to be loyal. And I might even have some things to learn about what that means. But I want to be loyal to the things of God. I want to be loyal to the calling. I want to be loyal to the philosophy of ministry that's been passed down. I want to be loyal to, a, to, to just be who God wants me to be. And so just let that sink in. That the Holy Spirit would teach you. Maybe there's some areas of disloyalty in your heart that you just need to deal with. Just what's going on, and, and maybe the Lord's just wanting to reveal that to you. Because it's not easy to be a minister of God. That's why not a lot of people really want to do it. <laughs> it's not easy. And like Paul, you know, Paul's not complaining. I certainly not complaining. I love the ministry. I love what God's done in my life. I love, I, I love it. So it's not a complaining. It's just the facts. It's just not easy, man. But it's worth it. All the effort, all the energy, you guys work full-time, you serve so much, and it's worth it. You're working three jobs and raising ten kids and still serving at the church. It's worth it, man. It's worth it. 
Everything that you do for the Lord is worth it. And as a steward, God is looking for what? Faithfulness. And something you can deliver. Something I can deliver. You might be treated by refuse. You know, you might be treated like junk from the people of the world. Your own spiritual children might even break your heart. And have to be disciplined. But God's faithful servants, they're going to continue on. They're going to persevere. They're not going to quit. They're going to find strength. And, and I have to say this. In, in, in the people that God's put in your life, the people that are overseeing you, the people that are in ministry um, uh, alongside of you, the pastors, the leaders, those people in your life, I really believe that they deserve our respect and our love and our commitment and our devotion. I really believe that. And let the Lord sort things out. Let him do what he needs to do in their lives. Let him watch. Now, I'm not talking about false doctrine and weird stuff like that. I'm just talking about relationship. How's your relationship with the people around you? What's God doing? And those of you that are serving or those of you that have a calling to ministry, just understand it's worth it. Your service is unto the Lord. Even all kinds of crazy things happen. You're serving unto the Lord. Bottom line. This is Abounding Grace, and you're listening to a message from pastor and Bible teacher Ed Taylor, taken from our series in 1 Corinthians. You can hear a replay of this message when you go online to calvaryco.church. That's calvaryco.church. Or download our free apps. Simply search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. Here in the month of May, we picked out an excellent book written by Ray Bentley called The Holy Land Key, Unlocking End Times Prophecy Through the Lives of God's People in Israel. It's one thing to read prophecy and quite another to step into its fulfillment. It can be easy to miss the significant signs contained in the stories of biblical characters in God's creation and in the lives and actions of today's Israelis and Palestinians. That's where Ray Bentley steps in to help in the Holy Land Key. And we'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And please remember, it's through your financial support that we're able to come to you day by day on this station. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryco.church. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. Pastor Ed, here we are on the National Day of Prayer. And as we close, would you take a moment to pray with us in whatever direction the Lord leads you? Uh, thanks, Larry. I know that today is uh, dedicated to a National Day of Prayer. But I have to say, as these days come up, it only reminds us that every day is a National Day of Prayer. And I would love to take you up on that invitation to pray. So let's do just that. Fathers, we come to you uh, on a day that's dedicated to stirring up love and good works in the realm of prayer. We ask you to show mercy on our country, show mercy on our leaders, giving time like you did so many years ago with the men and women who have failed to follow you, that you've shown mercy to them, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I pray for a national repentance uh, in our country, and as we set the stage in countries around the world, but more so, God, I pray for repentance and revival among your people. 
I pray that we would humble ourselves and acknowledge our faults and our failures before you, that we would take responsibility and humble ourselves, trusting you with our lives. And we're asking you, God, to not only show mercy, but pour out an abundance of grace in these last days and bring one more revival that we might see many come to faith, repenting of their sins and surrendering their their life to you. And God, I pray specifically that you would bless this radio station that's putting forth the Word of God, that you would bless this radio broadcast. And I thank you for the team of men and women serving behind the scenes uh, that make not only this radio station available to the audience, but also this radio broadcast, Abounding Grace, and also the podcasting and all the technology that's used to deliver the Word of God. And I'm grateful and thankful to be a very small part of the huge work that you're doing on the earth today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Don't miss our next study in 1 Corinthians with Pastor Ed Taylor tomorrow on Abounding Grace. And may God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.